Welcome to a special edition of the Clip City podcast. I am your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And today I am joined by noted Clippers fan, friend of the pod, actor and comedian, Paul Shear, one of the stars of Black Monday, which you can watch on Showtime on Sundays at 10 p.m. Pacific time. Paul, how are you doing? I am doing really good. I am wondering how you're doing. Are you going to come out of this, you know, like 90 pounds overweight with a big furry beard? I feel like every time I see you, you look very clean cut, but I'm worried that without some clippers, you're going to you're going to maybe devolve in this time. <laughs> so funny story. I cannot grow facial hair. OK, I can only grow some some whiskers and like the mustache and, and chin area. So I will not be coming out of this with a beard. And I, I've actually been eating healthier. Oh, I, nice. I would say being in quarantine, I've been working out more and eating healthier. So I might actually come out of this in better shape. You know, I feel like that is the one plus of having literally nothing to do is that <laughs> you make time for cleaning your house, working out. You're, you know, it's a moment of uh, self-reflection. This is like a yoga retreat that we didn't know that we needed. No, I I, I totally agree. So, I mean, we just kind of got into it, but like we obviously got to start with the elephant in the room, which is coronavirus and everything that, you know, it's going on right now. Um, how is it affecting you? How are you managing with social distancing and quarantine and all that stuff? You know, uh, my wife was pretty much ahead of this, um, and I was kind of making fun of her about it, um, but she was 100% right. We had gone to Costco two weeks before the craze had started, and I was like, wait, you're being ridiculous. This is nothing. It's fine. And uh, now we have been basically self-distancing for about 10 days now or yeah, I think today is t- day 10 for us. You know, so it's it's pretty intense. You know, I think that once the NBA season canceled those games and it was over, that's when I was like, oh, this is going to be, this is bigger than I thought. It's it's interesting that the NBA was the, like, the arbiter of bad things to come. You know, it's sort of uh, not mm-hmm. government, but the NBA kind of took the first real big step to kind of say this is a big deal. Yeah, no, that I had a friend who was not taking it seriously and the whole Rudy Gobert situation was kind of what made him realize like this is actually a big deal if one NBA player getting it shuts down the entire league and subsequently basically shut down the entire sports world because after that, you know, the NBA was really the first league to to fully shut down and then you saw MLB, NFL or NFL I guess didn't shut down yet, but you know, they've had to postpone right. some stuff and, and March Madness and all that stuff. So yeah, it, it's been crazy. It's been weird because sometimes I've, I've seen people at the market or whatever when I'm, when I'm trying to get some groceries and you just don't know how to <laughs> like you go for the hug or the handshake and then you're kind of like, wait, I got an elbow bump or just stay away from you. It, it's been really weird, like running into people out. Yeah. You know, we've been pretty much holed up in our house. Uh, I have two kids, a three-year-old and a five-year-old, which makes it difficult in ways, but also great in ways because they are here to kind of keep you distracted, you know? Uh, so I think that there's a real benefit in the fact that I can still like hang out and cuddle with my wife and my kids. And I have like a little bit of human touch, which is I think incredibly important, but you're right. When you see people across the street, you avoid them and it makes you feel like you're in some sort of like weird old timey, like, you know, racist movie it's like oh no no across the street they're coming they're coming and you know and i do it and then i don't want to offend anybody we had a delivery the other day and you know somebody wanted to see my id and i'm like "Uh, here take it but you know like it's just like you're 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 afraid of people and i think that that's the smart way to be i think the idea that we need to stay home right now we need to only go out for essentials uh is something that everybody needs to hear, especially as the cases and stuff go up, because it is incredibly serious. But now I'm getting like panicky when I watch TV shows and I see someone put their arm around somebody else or shake hands. I'm like, no, no, don't shake hands. It's like (laughs) infected my brain that um, I have a visceral reaction to it now. Um, I think it's putting everybody in the state of, well, what do we do? Because we're all paused. It's not like one of those situations where it's like, oh, only California, only New York. Everybody in pretty much every profession besides the supermarket health and like the food manufacturing delivery uh, services, you know, like there's a, a handful of professions, I guess. I shouldn't just say just a few, but there's a handful of professions that are working, but the rest, everyone is right now, you know, for the most part, kind of unemployed and waiting to see when their jobs will start up again. It's a, it's a crazy thing to be in in such a giant way. Yeah, it's been weird. 
on my end, you know, trying to provide sports content. Last week, I did this really in-depth breakdown of a Clippers-Mavericks playoff series because it does seem like if the NBA does return, which at this point we don't know, they probably right. would go straight to the playoffs or maybe have a few games that lead into the playoffs and at still at which point it would be most likely the Clippers Mavericks in the first round. So I was like, why not kind of provide a, a early playoff preview of what I think this would look like. But moving forward, it's kind of, I mean, I got some stuff lined up the rest of the week, but it is kind of weird moving forward, trying to figure out what to do. Uh, but let, let's transition to the Clippers. Yeah. You're from New York. You grew yes. up a Knicks fan mm-hmm. and you moved to LA in 2005, I believe. Uh, yeah. About 2005. Yeah. So when did you become a Clippers fan and and how did you become a Clippers fan? You know, I became a Clipper fan because when I moved out to L.A., I wanted to support a local team. I hate people who live in L.A. and are like, oh, yeah, but I'm really from Chicago. Oh, but I'm really from Portland, but I'm really from New York. Now, I am from New York. I know defeat. I felt defeat. I was a Yankee fan when they sucked ass. I was a Jet fan, and they've really never been good. And I was a Knicks fan my entire life. And I love the Knicks. I love St. John's uh, college basketball. But they were never the teams that like won the Big East tournament. I think you know, maybe Chris Mullen did, I guess. But I really wanted to kind of let my New York Knicks fandom wash off because I didn't want to be one of those people that just got really invested to go to like when the Clippers play the Knicks once and when the Lakers play the Knicks once. They want to be those people. Those are the people who annoy me when I'm going to my Clippers games, right? I don't want to be surrounded by Knicks fans. I want to be surrounded by Clippers fans. And when I first got out here, the Lakers definitely had this aura. And I, I, I love the Lakers. I mean, you can't not love the Lakers from the sense that they're like the Dallas Cowboys of basketball. Like, everybody knows the Lakers. Everyone has those jerseys. Everyone knows those players. I mean, I grew up with Magic Johnson and, uh, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Kobe Bryant. But I wasn't engaged with them as, like, a fan. I didn't want them to be my team. It felt too easy for them to be my team. And I wanted to be a fan of a team that felt like they had some personality and and some drive. And to me... That was the Clippers. I, you know, I was excited by them. They just felt like they had an energy about them. And yes, they didn't win, but their games were fun. And honestly, they were tickets that I could actually afford to purchase. I mean, that was the biggest thing. Lakers tickets are really, really expensive. I finally actually went to go see a Lakers game, and it was like crazy. It was like, you know, they're showing coming attractions for movies before the starting lineups. I'm like, what is this? Like, you know, I always say that the Lakers are a Hollywood team, like entertainment movie. That's what they got going on. And the Clippers are an LA team. And I believe that we are the best team in LA. Yeah, I'm never going to let that go. Come at me, Laker fans. Look, I'm not afraid of it. Did you become a fan right away that right when you got to LA? Because that 05-06 team was really fun. That was the Elton Brand, Sam yes. Cassell. So so it was that season? That was like the season, but it wasn't like I was all in. I was like, I like the Clippers. Okay. I'm going to watch the Clippers. And then it was like a slow burn to get involved with the team. Like that's kind of how I would check in. Like I'd see a couple games a season and then, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then about four years ago, uh, I may have gotten – Four or five years ago, I, f- I started getting like like season tickets to the team. Uh, I did like this like fifteen uh, seat package and and just started going a lot and really following them a lot. And then in the last three years, I feel like I've really become a much bigger like Clippers fan, like in in a way that uh, I think disturbs my wife, but uh, I am very excited. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's but it's it's so much fun, and I think I just sort of walked into it slowly but surely, and it's kind of kind of traces my, you know, uh, kind of my relocation to LA. I mean, it's sort of like I got it here. I got more comfortable with it. And now they are, they're my team. So what type of fan are you? Are you not talking to anybody after games, uh, you know, and you're just upset and and need some time to yourself or like you said, your, your level of fandom disturbs your wife. Like, like, what are we talking about here? What's, what's maybe like your quirkiest thing as, as a fan? I am the kind of fan that starts fights with Kendrick Perkins on Twitter. I'm not going to take his BS, okay? I'm, I don't like it. You know, after this last win, you know, they everyone just started piling on uh, to the Clippers. And, and we are the underdogs. I know we're the underdogs. I love being the underdogs. But I am a fan that takes it personally when we lose. My wife and I were on our 10th anniversary, and I orchestrated it so that 
when we went out to dinner, we went to a place where there was TVs and I could actually watch the TV of the Lakers Clippers game. And I knew she supports me. She definitely supports me, but I, I needed to see it. We were in an airport layover. So it wasn't like a fancy dinner. It was like, you know, TGI Fridays. And I just couldn't pay attention to her because I wanted to watch this game so badly. And I am one of those people that when they lose, it bums me out. But I will tell you that the Clipper Twitter community gets me out of it. Like, I feel like, shake it off, get back on the horse again. You know, I'm going to be upset that night. I literally now carry around that energy of just like, why do we lose? And then I'll go on NBA 2K and play the game so I can feel like if I can beat them in the game, maybe I've had some sort of victory. But that's the kind of person uh, that I am. I am a Clipper fan that definitely takes my hits, but I also am not a guy who will be like, God damn it, Kawhi. Why didn't you do that? Come on, Trez. Like, I feel like Laker fans, not to make it all about the Lakers, but like attack their team. I don't attack the team. They are the most low-key, chill, you know, reflective team out there. I just want them to win. And sometimes I feel like they play badly. And sometimes I feel like, you know, look, afternoon games are a mess. And I just sit there and I grip my teeth. But thank God we beat Shake Milton. Oh, my God, that was a tough game. One of the best moments I've ever had was I was staying at um, a friend's house in North Carolina. So it was on the East Coast. And uh, it was a night that Kawhi came to the team. And the whole week, all I was doing, we were in a place that had no uh, cell reception. And I was just sneaking my phone wherever I could, like at dinners and just trying to see what any news, any news. Oh, I heard this. I heard this. You know, and I'm just like, oh, what did in the no tweet about this? Okay. You know, I'm just freaking out and, and following it. And I'm not hearing anything. And the people I, I was with, they're a big sports fan. They're like, he's not coming. Believe me, he's not coming. You know, and I'm so bummed out. And I'm just like, I went to bed that night and I was like, oh he doesn't come we still have our team and the team is really good and it will be a fun seat i'm like trying to make it okay and i'm just staying up late and whatever this was my phone was on silent i finally fell asleep i woke up to a text message just one it just came in but my phone didn't ring or anything it was almost like i was psychically connected and it was from my friend jeff garland another uh clippers fan and he's like we got him And I was like, what? Mm. And I stayed up in bed from like three o'clock in the morning to when we had to catch our flight going home, just like celebrating on Twitter. I was so psyched. I brought all my Clippers gear with me just in case that happened while we were away so I could put it all on. I got to wear it, walk through the airport with it. I was incredibly excited. It was like, so I definitely have highs and lows with the team. And uh, now my son has been involved too. So he gets excited and, you know, he'll, He'll stomp around when they get a basket or not, which is hilarious to watch. He does because he'll intermittently ask me like, "Who's winning? What color are the Clippers again?" I'm like, "They're they're in, they're in blue today." He's like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah." So um, yeah, I kind of have highs and lows, but emotionally this season, my emotions have really come to play. But yeah, I definitely uh, I definitely spiral for about like an hour or two after the after a loss. I'm just bummed. I'm like, ah, oh, I should have done this or that. But I do feel like the Twitter community gets me through it. You mentioned your son becoming a Clippers fan. You made the wise decision not to let your children become Knicks fans. Yes. Uh, I, I yes. I feel like I've done. They would, yeah. have, <laughs> they would have been in for a lifetime of torture. Um, but what's that like having that bond with your, your son and, and being Clipper fans together and, and going to games? You know, my son's only five, so he's barely getting it, but he really is having so much fun. Like last season, he loved Boban because Boban is an interesting (laughs) person to look at, right? Like, I mean, I love Boban too, but like, you know, so just seeing his height and, you know, like, so he was always so excited. Where's Boban? Like that was his favorite player. And this season, he's been uh, really excited about Lou Williams. He loves Lou Williams. And he he's always asking me, he's like, Dada, can I be the underground goat? And I was like, well, I don't know if you can be. He's like, I want to be the underground goat. And, um, and you know, he loves Kawhi as well. And he'll draw, like, pictures of, like, Kawhi. He knows, like, Pat Beverly, Kawhi, and, uh, and Lou. And he'll talk about Montrez, too. He likes Montrez. Uh, like, he, he starts to, like, identify the players and he knows what they look like now which I mean these are very basic things but it's so fun to kind of share that with him and and watch him get excited about things and we got to do one of those events at the stadium this year where you get to go to autograph alley and he Uh got to meet Pat Beverly who was so incredibly nice 
it was it blew my mind. Like I like as somebody who has signed a bunch of autographs and things like that, the amount of care and attention that he took with every single person. Uh, and that's kind of like the whole Clippers org. I mean, I feel like Montrez did the same thing. Everybody was over there. Lou came over. Lou missed my son. And then the security sent him back because they saw that he missed my son. And he was everyone was so nice. But Pat Bev had the best moment, which was he asked my son, he's like, how old are you? And uh, my son's like, five. And he goes, five? I thought for sure you were nine. And my, my, my kid awesome. went ballistic. He was like, he thought I was nine. He thought I was nine. <laughs> and um, so like to have that energy with him and he's just, you know, he's just like rooting. Like he's kind of recklessly rooting, which is totally fine. Like he'll ask me every morning, did the Clippers win uh, regardless of whether or not they played? Uh, and we'll watch games together. And we watch kind of the edited games down a lot of the times on the league pass, which is the best. Mm-hmm. That, that's awesome. Uh, that, yeah, that Pat story is, um, and, and now, <laughs> I mean, it was it was weird being at that because I was at the the game before the break. Um, yeah, where you know in Golden State, where it was like we couldn't be around the players, we couldn't be in the locker room, and like I, I was really anticipating just what would that be like on that Friday uh, when when they played the Nets, which you know thankfully they didn't end up oh, playing. Thank the Nets, God, um, right? Yeah. But, you know, like with, with no autographs and, and players having to distance themselves from fans and like that, that would have been a really weird experience. Um, and, and then when games, you know, potentially return, there, there might be no fans in the, in the crowd. So that'll be weird. I know but- it's it's going to be very interesting in a weird way. I think that that is not going to be an issue for the Clippers. Like I heard Danny Green talking shit the other day about, yeah. uh, you know, about the Clippers not being able to win, win road games. Like little does he remember that we won on the road against Golden State in the stadium that was way more, uh, you know, uh, impressive or built twice. for. Yeah, exactly. Twice. So I, I take that with a grain of salt. I think that when you look at people like Kawhi and Paul George, I don't think they need a crowd. I mean, I think it's going to. I think, you know, like he said, it's going to feel like a scrimmage, but I feel like he will come to play and bring that energy. And I think Pat Bev will bring that energy too. And I feel like the Clippers are underdogs. And if you're going to put any team in a playoff situation, put the underdogs where the where the crowd isn't often behind them. You know, it's like I would take them any day because they're, they're not used to that home court advantage, those screams, you know, those, you know, I, I mean, it's getting better and better, but I feel like I, you know, I take the underdogs mentality in that over the uh, the people who just walk, every time they touch the ball, it's like a, a crazy response. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily a new dynamic with with Clipper home games against the Lakers being very Lakers heavy. So yeah. I, I think like you know, it's not I mean, it's not something new. You know, they have multiple guys on the team that have been here for multiple years. Like it's not. I don't think it's as big of a deal. And the, and like you said, those guys thrive off of that environment. Well, yeah. And the thing I, I also think about, you know, a lot of the times when I first started seeing Clippers games, it had that mentality or that it had that energy of, hey, everybody in L.A., wherever you're from, you're going to come to this game and root for your team. Like you, you would go to a Portland game full of Portland fans. You go to a Lakers game full of Lakers fans. You go like even Knicks games. It was like, oh, all the local New York people, you know, they so I always felt like it was a team like this season it started to change. I think one of the cool things about that Celtics game was like I feel like Pat Bev turned that energy in the stadium that day and got it was like, no, 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 this is our home court now. Because there were so many Celtics fans there that night. Um and then we took it over as as uh, as fans, I felt like that was really kind of important, you know, and I think that that has continued to kind of grow like that. But it's yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about them playing to no one. Uh, I'm excited about it. What I'm worried about is truthfully, like how you get out of conditioning. I mean, it's only been about two weeks and I saw Pat Bev is like working out really hard. But then I also like read some article where it's like LeBron's taking this seriously and LeBron's still working out. And like, I guarantee you that every player is working out, just not gaming. Like they're gaming because they don't have to be on a plane and traveling around and going all over the place. But I feel like I'm very curious to see what these guys are doing because they have to keep their body in top physical condition. Because if we go back in June, you can't just be like, it can't just be uh preseason again. They have to go into essentially postseason. Yeah. I, I think they would give them at least like a one week, like two. Like, I think a into yeah. I feel like a ten game, is, but yeah, I feel like a ten game lead in feels about right. 
Um, I, I just think it's yeah. so hard to get the logistics of you know with thirty teams finding because there you know there's so many things that have been postponed and, and canceled and, and going to have to reschedule that it's like you know obviously in, in most arenas the NBA is the top thing or, or one of the two or three right. most important things, but. I just don't know how they're going to kind of figure out all that scheduling. So that's why to me, it, I, I think ideally you have some type of five to 10 game lead up into the postseason, but it might just be easier to say, Hey, like let's kick 14 teams out of this and just schedule with 16 and, and just kind of go straight to playoffs. Maybe first two rounds are best of five instead of best of seven. And, and then, you know, kind of go from there. But if the season is indeed over, which it seems like is a possibility, where does this rank for you uh, in all-time Clippers seasons, at least since you've been a fan? Um, although, you know, you started yeah, in that 05 you know, area, so you've seen the best Clippers seasons. <laughs> well, you know, and, and what I'm doing in this uh, little bit of, not hiatus, but I'm reading The Curse, which I really recommend to any Clippers fan out there. If you've not read The Curse yet, it's by uh, Nick Minas, and it, uh, and it goes through uh, from the Braves all the way until I think maybe – Oh, gosh. Uh, I'm not done with it yet, but it, it, it goes pretty far. Um, and it goes year by year. And it's been fascinating to kind of like get all my Clippers history in here now um, from Norm Nixon and Bill Walton and Marquise Johnson. Uh, you know, so in reading that and there's, you know, and it's interesting to be reading The Curse and and seeing what's happening this season because they always are falling into this weird trap where something amazing starts happening for them. You know, whether it was getting Bill Walton, whether, and then his foot breaking, whether it was, you know, uh, getting like these amazing draft picks, you know, they, they drafted Manute Bowl, but he didn't register the right way. So then they lost him. And then, you know, they had all these like uh, highs and lows, you know, Danny Manning, not getting along with the coach at that point. Like um, whenever something seemingly is going great, the other shoe drops. And this season has been so exciting to me, because I feel like you have this voice at the center of it, which is Kawhi comes to this team. I think he shows, uh, a, you know, I think he does everything in a very uh, thoughtful way. He makes his choice and basically preaches the entire season like, we're not there yet. We're going to get there. Calm down. Enjoy it. Let's take our time. Let's go. And then we have that all-star break and they come back. They're kind of at full strength and we're starting to see where this team would be going in this sec, you know, this back half of the season into the playoffs and it's starting to get really exciting to me. And, you know, uh, I was just, it felt like, oh, the plan is coming together. Like it's all, we're moving in the right direction. PG starts looking amazing. And by the way, he's had a good season. A lot of people like slag him online, but he's mm. had a good season for minutes played, you know, he just, but I think he starts finding his groove I think the team starts working together. I feel like Trez is, you know, when he doesn't get traded, starts playing more like uh, he's playing great the whole season. But I feel like his mentality became more of a team player. Like, I feel like, you know, he was quoted a couple times saying some things that felt like very, um, you know, very much about himself. And then I feel like and now he's like, I'm a clipper. I'm here. I'm like, oh, man, everything is just gelling and feeling really, really good. And then, of course, this happens. And. It seems like par for the course, but to to me, if nothing happens, if the season's canceled, if they can't play the playoffs and that's it, and it becomes this weird asterisk in the NBA season, uh, it was one of the most exciting experiences to see this organization take it to the next level. And I think it gives me so much hope for where the Clippers go in the continuing years and whether that's their outreach into the community from building basketball courts to this amazing stadium that they're going to build that is so community-based uh, to actually getting players of a top caliber not being drafted here but wanting to play here. I think we're making this a destination and I think we're making this a culture. And this season really capitalized on everything they loved about last season and I think is just... I think we're in we're in the we're in a time where I feel like our kids are going to be Clippers fans and not Lakers fans because the Clippers fans are like bonding our community and that to me is really exciting and you know who knows it's not all about wins and championships but I just as a Clippers fan it was the most exciting culmination of everything that I wanted everything that you kind of were promised uh, by this organization I, that's that's kind of where I stand on it it's really crazy that. You know the timing of everything because it, it did feel like they were hitting their stride. They had, they had won seven of eight 
Uh, you know, yeah. the only loss was that Laker game. And that game, they just did not shoot the ball well, uh, among other things. And it, it did feel like we're, you know, they're healthy. They, they added Reggie Jackson. They now have this like monster 10 man rotation. And it was just looking like this is the team we were promised in, in the offseason. And, and, you know, yeah, they, they, they had been better, I think, than, pe- you know, people's expectations for them, I, I think, were kind of just way too high because you, you kind of knew with Kawhi load managing and, you know, PG was coming off the injury and they had some older guys like Pat and Lou that were going to need to have their minutes managed and stuff like this to me always was going to be a team that um, like I remember, you know, kind of talking to people before the season and being like, I could see this team being like in the four or five range, depending on what happens with with Kawhi and PG. And yeah, everyone kind of thought they'd be the one seed and win like 60 plus games. And I was like, pump the brakes a little bit. Like, I, I think it's going to be more of like they're better in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. And we were finally seeing that. And that's kind of where the whole, you know, curse, as you mentioned, kind of comes up where it's like, this is just insane yeah. that, you know, probably the best, I would say the best Clippers team there's ever been. Um, Absolutely. Or at least in that conversation, um, you could put it up there against any of the Lob City teams. And I think this team is probably better. Um, but well, just there's to something, have something different, like this but the, the, the Lob City teams, I have such, I mean, I, I have such a love for, but I feel like, the whole organization wasn't fully clicking. And I think part of that, you have to look at the top, which is Donald Sterling. You know, I think that that seeped into some of the stuff, even though they were playing so great and the, the games are so good. You can now see that the organization has really changed. And I feel like that does create a culture uh, where the players are just feeling, uh, I don't know. I just feel like it's it's just, there's a different vibe. There's a different energy. I, I feel like also the Clippers energy to me is there isn't, a showman on the team. Like Pat Bev is kind of the mouth, I guess, for the most part, like um, he's going to get out there, but you know, PG and Kawhi are quiet guys and they're not like, they're not flexing. They're like, they let the game kind of speak to them and and they're the most down to earth guys. I mean, whether it's uh, Paul George saying like, I didn't deserve to be an all-star this year, or it's Mm -hmm. Reggie Jackson, a new addition who's saying like, I'm not, I need to step up my game. Marcus Morris, the same way. It's like, yeah, I'm not playing where I need to play. Like these guys are looking at themselves and, you know, they're the first to kind of criticize and and kind of just take it slow. And I feel like that, I like that to a certain degree, but it's not that showy energy of like, yeah, we got it. And, you know, starting, you know, fights or whatever, you know, not fights, but like, you know, uh, Twitter wars and stuff like that. I, you know, so I think that that is what people wanted. Like people wanted that energy. Like I don't think you're going to have any, Clipper going on a podcast like Danny Green and, and kind of, you know, t- it just seems like they don't do that. They kind of keep their shit tight and they kind of have a very forward thinking, you know, they're, they just do the work. And I love that workman nature of it, uh, which is exciting to me. And, you know, I just want the team to stay together as much as they can, you know, and that's, that's the thing that I'm bummed out about or I'm nervous about. I'm like, oh, if we, I don't want to lose Trez. Like, I don't want, you know, I, I want him to stay, you know, can that happen? Um, you know, I mean, part of me thinks like, do you just rent out a stadium in Las Vegas? You move all the teams there and then you just basically say like, this is our stadium and we're going to play 10 games here because we can program it whatever we want. We'll do an afternoon game and a night game and we'll do our 10 games and then we'll get into the playoffs. Like, you know, just like do you move off site and don't even you don't even use the home at all. I mean, is that is that even a possibility of of where the uh, postseason goes or where this, you know, post coronavirus season goes? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's you would just have to test everybody and, and make sure, you know, I just I just wonder if it's too many people involved that it, it would right. be hard to have everybody in, in the same, same space. Yeah. Uh, but right. I, I Even like I mean, in the gyms and stuff. Yeah. Look, as I, you know, I, I don't want to joke about how serious this pandemic is, but I'll say two things that I, I take with great pride. Um, if this is the end of the season, then the Laker, then the Clippers have won the Battle of Los Angeles. They are the best team in Los Angeles, two games to one. And uh, and as of right now, uh, you know, there's no Laker. Sorry, I, there's no Clippers who've tested uh, positive for Corona. So I feel like we've also won that battle. So I feel like right now <laughs> the Clippers really are, are are really where it counts. They're really winning where it counts. Well, and, and going back, I mean, they, they got Kawhi, they got Marcus Morris, they got Reggie Jackson. Like they've been taking multiple W's over the Lakers. For, for yes. I year. mean, there we go. 
And, uh, you know, and then, you know, maybe Noah gets healed up a little bit more. You give him some time to get ready to play because uh, he would he drop an ice tub on his foot. Like he literally dropped a giant yeah. ice tub on his Achilles. They, that that was it was weird because, you know, he was supposed to work out for them and then he, he canceled it like last second. And then I saw on his Instagram that he had mentioned something about an Achilles. And I was like, well, if, if he tore his Achilles, like that's a one year injury and, and he's in his mid 30s. So like. That probably ends his career, uh, but but then it was kind of that weird where he didn't tear it; he just kind of injured it and had to have like a minor surgery. And now it looks like he he can play, uh, but you know who knows if we'll even see that. So I have two quick comedy questions for you, and then we'll yes. get to rapid fire, and, and then we're we're done. I um, want to ask you one question before you ask me this quick yeah. question. All right. So how are you filling your time? Because for me, it's all NBA two K. 20 like that's really been filling a void for me in a major way like on my back it's giving me my basketball fix even though i'm controlling it uh i'm like all in on my team and i'm also playing the you know i'm playing games out in the season where where are you at like what are you what do you feel what are you doing how am i feeling um well so i'll have a better answer for you by the end of this week because last week it was going over clippers mavericks film um, right. <laughs> I have been watching a lot of Netflix. By the way, that was great reporting, by the way. I did love that article. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of just going back over that, rewatching the games, rewatching particular clips for, like, you know, what was Luca doing? How were they defending him? What was Kawhi doing? All that nerdy stuff. Um, so, that was kind of last week. Um, I did go, I, I, again, I, I've been working out a lot. Um, watching movies and TV shows, um, reading a bit, just doing stuff online. Um, you, yeah. So you, but you, so you're basically you're kind of like getting back to your normal like I'm trying. off season I'm trying. life. Yeah. And then let me ask you one other question as a fan because you're smarter than me. I've read I read your stuff all the time. I love your stuff. Thank um, you. It's so good. And uh, and I just wanted to see like what you thought about that whole idea where the Lakers kind of found this crack in in the Clippers gameplay. Is that something that can be duplicated in that in that third game there? Like I feel like people are like they did it, they figured out how to like, you know, put all, you know, uh to basically kind of just like clown on Lou a little bit, you know, and get, get Lou to kind of run around a lot. Uh like do you think that that's something they could do again? Like are you afraid of that like that they kind of found that crack in there? Uh, and their defense, I mean, their offense. So that, that's actually been something I've been talking about all season. And I think it, it, it does put the, it puts the Clippers in, in an interesting predicament because I think like if you're looking at the dynamics of the team, Lou is probably the third guy, right? Like, right. you know, it's obviously Kawhi and PG at the top, but if you were saying like a third star or just kind of like a third face of the team, it is probably Lou. Um, you know, he, he's been the leading scorer the last couple of years. He, he's hit all these clutch shots and, and, you know, really is one of the most clutch players in the league. So you do want him out there at the end of the games. But I think the, the, there's two issues with that is, is one, this is actually something that's been happening a little bit even before the Lakers game where um, I don't know if you remember, it, it also happened in the Boston game and the Philly game before the All-Star yeah. break where... Boston, I, I think the, the Clippers were usually hiding Lou on Marcus Smart and they'd have Marcus Smart come up and be the screener for Jason Tatum and then try to force a switch. And then in the Philly game, he was guarding Josh Richardson and the Sixers tried to use that against him with like backdoor cuts and offensive rebounds and stuff like that. So Lou is a defensive liability. He will admit right. that. Doc will admit that. Like that, that's, you know, well known. Um, so th- the key is kind of hiding him. But the issue is that most of the the best teams in the league don't really have a great hiding spot. You know, a guy that that is an offensive liability that you could just put him on and it's not going to cost you. So I do think I think the Clippers could get away with it in the first round and maybe even the second round. But I do think come conference finals finals, they are really going to have to think about potentially benching Lou. And I I think he becomes let when you have Kawhi and PG fully healthy. I think he is a little less valuable because ideally you want Lou with the ball, but you also want Kawhi and PG with the ball. So it's kind of like 
you're, right. you're going to favor those two guys. So if you're and putting those guys are going to be playing more minutes in the in the finals too. They're not going to be they're not going to be monitored at all in those you know in those games. They're going to be playing the exactly. most. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if you're if you're putting the ball in Kawhi's hands or you're putting the ball in Paul George's hands, Lou is off the ball. And as an off ball player, he can still make you pay. But I think that's maybe where you favor a guy like Pat Beverly or Landry right. Shamit with, with their shooting. Um, and I, so that's why I thought it was so time, ridiculous that always, everyone's saying like, oh, Shamit doesn't have a space anymore when they come to playoffs. Like, I think he does. It's just sort of like, but this is why the the Clippers have such a great, you know, they have a great arsenal to kind of switch it up. I think they just need to kind of figure out what, what game plan they're going with there. And, you know, they didn't play Pat in that game and that, that, that uh, fourth quarter there. You know, as much as they should have. He wasn't having a great game, but I think they have they have tools at the ready, but they're also not playing at playoff level yet, too. Yeah, exactly. And I think there, there's a level of gamesmanship where you don't want to necessarily play your hand too early. Yes. And I think um, th- th- there might just be an element of Doc, like, yeah, just not wanting to show the Lakers, like, this is what it looks like when we're going with our... Because he does it yes. sometimes. He even did it last season a bit where, like, he would... You know, he'd go with like Shea and Landry, and then that third spot would be Lou, Pat, offense, defense, kind of like subbing one of them in, depending on when he could sub them in, and yeah. trying to go offense, defense by possession. So I think you might have an element of that. Um, but I do think the fully formed version of this team playing the Lakers in the conference finals, playing the Bucks or whoever in the finals, if that happens, I do think you might have to hide Lou because it is to the point where defenses can really exploit it. We, we've now seen it happen in multiple ga- close games that, that they've lost. Right. Um, so, and, you know, and, and there are ways the Clippers can kind of combat that. They could go to a zone. They're doing some stuff in that Laker game where they were switching, like as the as Lou's man was coming up to screen, they were switching Lou off of him. Um, that's something that's, you know, really delicate with the timing. And if you mess that up, you might give up an open shot. So you got to right. be careful with that. But, there are ways they can counter it, but I, I do think ultimately it might come down to just having to bench lose selectively depending on the matchup. Um, so, so I do think that's that's probably how this ends up playing out. But who knows? You know, we, we again, I yeah. hope we have this discussion in a couple months because <laughs> I know exactly we that's might be not. great to have. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have a question or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com clippers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash clippers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Um, um, all right, so you can ask me your comedy questions. So I, I wanted to ask you about Blake and yes. your relationship with him and just kind of his rise through the comedy scene over the past decade and him doing open mics and and, and sh- you know roasts and, and TV shows yeah. and, and all that stuff and just what you think about him as a, as a comedian and his comedic timing. First of all, I just want to say I love Blake. Uh, seeing him go was so upsetting to me. I will always be a Blake Griffin fan. Um, and I just think that he is uh, he's just a solid, nice, funny guy. My interactions with him have been always pretty great. I've improvised with him. And that's kind of one of the most scary things you can do with another performer. You know, there's no script. You're on stage. You're making it up as you go. And we have done, I think, one or two shows together. And he is so, like, easy on stage. And I think that maybe the reason why he's so good at improvising is because he's a professional sports player. Like, he can go with the flow. He can kind of adjust on the fly. And I think that that is why sometimes when you see, uh, you know, 
professional sports players like host SNL, you're like, oh, they were really good. Sometimes they're stiff, but you know, some, when they're really good, you're like, oh, because they're just used to, it's not that big of a deal to them. You know, um, well, I did the show called The League about football, fantasy football, and J.J. Mm-hmm. Watt was the same exact way. J.J. was like, like just, just could do whatever, you know, just so, you know, he took him a day to kind of wrap his head around it. And then after that, just improvising, having fun, uh, ready to go. And and so Blake, to me, is a guy who I think is going to have a very big career in the, his post-game, like, you know, uh, kind of the same way that Kobe was doing. I think, you know, Blake has already has a place to make movies and TV shows. He's so fascinated by that side of the business. I think, you know, one of the, probably the, the worst thing for Blake is to be in Detroit because he's not in like a major market where I think he can, I mean, Detroit is obviously a big city but it's not like new york chicago or la where he can kind of continue doing that around the city you know and i feel like um i'm excited for his post career because i think that his his comedy voice is strong i love seeing him do more and more stand-up and i think you're gonna see more with him i think one of the funniest things i ever got to do with him as we did a space jam live read we actually uh on stage it was uh deandre blake and a whole bunch of comedians, you can watch it online, uh, did like a, a version of Space Jam, an edited version of Space Jam. And he was fantastic. And I always thought he would have been a great star for that. Uh, I think LeBron is going to be fantastic in that as well. But I think that Blake has a real ease to it. Like I think that Blake, you, could, you would see him maybe doing more and more stuff because he he has nothing that makes you feel like, Oh, this is like a, a sports star. It's like, oh, this is like a comedian. He's and he's getting better and better, which is exciting to see. Last question before we go to rapid fire, which will just be like, you know, one or two word answers, however you want to answer it. Um right. you were on the season finale of Curb Your Enthusiasm yesterday. Yes. And uh what was that experience like? You mentioned Jeff Garland earlier, um, and your friendship with him. Um, but what was that like and, and what can those who haven't seen the episode yet expect from it? Uh, you know, so Curb is a super fun show. Obviously, it's been on for a very, very long time. And um, I have a very strong connection to that show, not only as a fan, but the show that I did for seven years, uh, The League, which I just mentioned, um, was actually co-created by one of the writers on Seinfeld, who then went on to help Larry create Curb. And he's also one of the directors of Curb. So The League is run very much like uh, Curb. Uh, we mm-hmm. have like an outline. We improvise our scenes. Larry came on the league. I did Larry's movie. I've seen Larry around a lot. Larry is exactly the person that he appears to be. I think you see him in any interview. He has uh, the same energy and attitude uh, as his like on-screen persona, maybe slightly more heightened. Um, but going on there, it was kind of for me, like coming back home because it was my director from the league. It was my crew from the league. And the only real difference was it was Larry. And you, the the trippy thing about it is, you know, years of being a Curb fan and a Seinfeld fan, the voice of Larry is kind of ingrained in our heads. And when you're looking at him and he is, uh, you know, doing Larry to you, it's you I, like it, it makes me break a little bit because it's like it's you're it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm starting like like I'm I'm in a I'm in the scene right now. And I'm. <laughs> I, I don't ever break. Like, that's just a, a weird thing with me. I just I, I just kind of am in it. So much so that when I watched, like, the blooper reel for, like, something one time, my wife's like, you need to pretend to laugh because you look like you're miserable. I'm like, okay, so now I know for, like, bloopers, I've stri- I, I forced myself to laugh. But with Larry, he, like, it's just, like, it's surreal. And it's so fun. And what was really interesting about that uh, episode, I'm kind of a nemesis. I'm kind of a bald nemesis. I am... Uh, I am a Shonda for the bald, according to Larry, because uh, he likes all bald men but me. And I'm just kind of this asshole real estate uh, uh, and uh, real estate agent. So uh, it's super fun. And we we tried a few different things. We played with ideas in different games uh, that we wanted to do in the show. And so, like, I think, you know, a lot of it was kind of uh, figured out in post, uh, you know, how to, you know, what sections they're going to use so it's always kind of fun to see how it all comes out well if you've not checked out that episode i recommend checking it out and then let's let's hit some rapid fire here and get get you out of here and i know you got to go yeah um so you you mentioned the league a couple times uh which was of course about fantasy football 
have you ever played fantasy basketball? And if so, what type of fantasy player were you or, or who are some of your favorite? No, I need guys? to get in a fantasy basketball league. I, all I want to do is get in a fantasy basketball league. Uh, okay, but, let's uh, start one. I, let's start one next season. <laughs> I would love it. Uh, I mean, it seems incredibly time consuming. And I also feel like all I want to do is get my own players that I, you know, but, uh, but no, it seems really great. Uh, fantasy is a time suck. It's, you know, it gives you something to obsess over. And, uh, you know, at, when I was at the height of doing that fantasy football show, I was in like multiple leagues and it was taking up so much time. And now that I have kids, um, you know, it's just like your time to do that sort of stuff kind of dwindles a little bit. So I've never played fantasy basketball. I would love to play fantasy basketball. Uh, I, you know, look, hit me up next season if there is a season uh, and I will be uh, ready to go. Uh, will do. Uh, greatest Clipper game you've attended or, or just favorite Clipper game you've attended? Hmm. I had the experience last year of uh, shooting the hot dog cannon at hmm. uh, the playoff game with Golden State, um, which was uh, the last home game. And it was one of the most exciting experiences ever. It was not a, uh, not a great game, um, but... Uh, it was to be on that court with, uh, <laughs> with, uh, you know, um, with Chuck, um, and, and shooting hot dogs at the stands. I was told after the game that I shot a hot dog, the farthest and longest it has ever been shot. It got up into the up, upper rafters and I really take, wow. I mean, this is really about my performance <laughs> here, uh, of being a hot dog cannon shooter, but that was, uh, to me pretty spectacular. And I have to say, Again, there's a moment, and I'm going back to my old answers, but I, I, I feel like there are things that happened this season that were so important. And I feel like that moment when Pat Bev kind of turned the crowd at Staples uh, like into like, no, no, this is our home court at that Celtics game. That was the most viscerally exciting moment I've had at Staples Center. Like to be like, no, yes, this is our team. Like I always feel that way, but it's like, the, it just like the crowd turned and then the Celtics fans got quiet. I mean, I always like watching Lakers fans get quiet. But uh, but that was a moment that just felt like new, we're we're doing something different now. This is this we're we're on a different we're, this is a, this is a new era. And that to me felt really exciting. And, and then we'll, we'll get you out of here on this one. Yeah. Uh, Two parter greatest clipper ever and your clipper Mount Rushmore. My favorite clipper of all time. Okay. This is a tricky one because there's a part of me that just really loves Bill Walton. I love that he came to the team. He wanted to play so badly. He, you know, had all these problems with his feet and he never was really the Bill Walton that we wanted, but he was the Bill Walton who came to play. I mean, there was a time in Clipper history where he was just playing like weekend games and we let that happen. It's insane. Uh, then I'll get World Be Free. World Be Free, amazing. A, a great player. Kills it on my NBA 2K, my team team. Love him. But I got to think that Elton Brand is maybe my favorite Clipper player. He led them to the semifinals. He is a guy who came to play every night. I don't think he gets enough Clipper respect. Uh, just a really solid player who left, like most players on the Clippers, they leave, they go to greener pastures. Uh, but I have to say, let's give some love to Elton Brand. My Mount Rushmore. Okay, this is tough. Four faces on Mount Rushmore. So it doesn't give me that much room. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. You got to put Bomber up there. Just because Bomber reinvigorated this franchise. I, I don't think enough can be said about how bad Donald Sterling was for this organization. I mean, he is absolutely terrible. I think... We would have had a winning team if it wasn't for Donald Sterling, but he was a cheap skate, and I'm going to say it, bastard, who really messed up this organization from players to coaches, everything in between. He really was a garbage man. So Steve Ballmer comes in and gets this team, and every step that he has made, in my opinion, has been absolutely a solid place. So Steve Ballmer gets one of the four faces. Now, the other easy choice, I know we already talked about him a few times, but Blake Griffin, he is our star, right? I love Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul's amazing. I love, love DeAndre Jordan. I just think of him as a great, 
I don't know. I have a, I really just love DeAndre. But Blake is the face of the franchise. He's a likable guy. He's a nice guy. He's an MVP. He's an all-star. He's putting points on the board. He reinvigorates this entire franchise. He brings it to this next level. I am going so easily as my number two choice that Blake Griffin gets on that Mount Rushmore. You know, and in that sense, I have to put Kawhi on Mount Rushmore as well because Kawhi comes to this team on his own volition. It seems to me, the more and more I hear about it, that he wanted to be here. He didn't want to be with the Lakers. He wanted to be on this team. He got a chance to voice who he wants to play with on this team. I think he's playing a lot of roles behind the camera or you know, in the front office. I think he's making decisions or being a part of decisions. I think he's smart. I think he represents a very solid move about the Clippers' future. So now it's three, which gives me one more space on my Mount Rushmore. And this is a tricky one. Who do I put on Mount Rushmore? I think you got to go back in history and you have to put Bob McAdoo on that list. Bob McAdoo is the man who, I mean, really is the greatest player in the franchise's history. Uh, you know, he was on the Buffalo Braves, uh, but he could do it all. He was an amazing presence for this team. He is where we all started from. So if you put him at the beginning, you put Blake and Bomber and Kawhi. That, to me, represents uh, a Clippers Mount Rushmore. It's not complete, I know. Maybe Doc should be up there. He was a player and a coach. But right now, that's what I'm feeling as my Mount Rushmore of Clippers. A special thank you to Paul. You can catch Paul on Twitter and Instagram at Paul Shear. You could also see him on Sundays on Showtime as Keith on Black Monday. If you do not have a Showtime subscription, they're offering a free 30-day trial right now. And as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. And if you've not subscribed to The Athletic, we are offering actually a 90-day free trial right now. Uh, for people who have not subscribed. So please check us out and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, give us a five-star review. Hopefully you enjoy the show and reach out to me on social media as always if you have any questions. Thank you. Stay safe. Please wash your hands, social distance, stay at home, and I will talk to you all soon.